Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Wyden. Purple Mafia is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podamen, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Audible, and Double Twist. Thank you once and always for downloading and listening to the show. It is a pleasure to be joining you once again today. But at the end of the end of the day, it just felt like a big fat waste of time, didn't it? Low quality football, idiotic penalties that never stopped. They just piled up. I mean, we were on pace for a record amount of penalties. Of course, we didn't make the record, but who cares? We still had way too many. Uh, we ended up losing twenty four. Excuse me, twenty seven, twenty four to the Cincinnati Bungles in Cincinnati. Well, again, lack of sound bites a bit, and obviously the audio, the. Uh, Audacity program's a little different, but got to get more sound bites in there again. Maybe dig up some from the past, obviously. Apologize for the lack of those, but I have a few, I guess, kind of, but it's mostly just bumper music. Not that you care at this moment. It's more like, can I get the four hours back that I lost? Can I please get those four hours back? I mean, that's how I felt the whole the whole game, that uh, the whole game, uh, minus a couple of swear words. That might be very, that may not be taken very well for some people. I don't know. The vibe's not good. The vibe hasn't been good since the first game of the preseason. The vibe hasn't been good since the first day of training camp. And we had people coming at us, uh, those of us that would dare to say, this doesn't look so hot. Oh, always panicking. Shut her down. Nobody said shut her down. The Cincinnati Bengals didn't shut her down when they were 2-14. and 14. The Cleveland Cavaliers, Cleveland Browns, pardon me, didn't shut her down when they were 1-15. Detroit didn't shut her down when they were 0-16. So shut the hell up. Nobody's saying shut her down. Anybody that, that says that, shut the hell up. And at the same time, do you see do you see some concerns in front of you? Do you see any now? You idiots, you that would dare to come out and uh, <laughs> come out and attack somebody for daring to say this doesn't look so hot. I mean that's all we said for Pete's sake. So that's still sticking in my craw. I apologize, but uh, I don't know. This game sticks in my craw in a big way. Uh, well, again, 10 penalties for 91 yards. It ended up being, throughout the course of the game, 17 total penalties. And was it 13 accepted? It's just disgusting numbers. Absolutely embarrassing numbers, uh, to say the least, that leave you <laughs> feeling sick, feeling depressed. I love the pass rush on Joe Burrow. Obviously, he played fairly well today. Obviously, he's the number one overall pick in the draft. He's just coming back from an ACL, though. You can't really expect him to be that spectacular right out of the gate, especially, again, facing the pass rush he faced. So we had one uh, one of our defensive linemen had two sacks in the game. Was it Daniil Hunter? No. Uh, was it DJ Wenham? No. He only uh, he had zero. Daniil Hunter did have one. It was a very big one, major, major moment. Let's see, who else? Who else? Uh, who else? Who else is a possibility? Uh, Everson Griffin, did he have a sack? No. Uh, <laughs> how about Dalvin Tomlinson, who I thought had a pretty nice game? No. No, uh, the def- defensive tackle who had two sacks was Michael Pierce. How about that? Michael Pierce, seven total tackles, two sacks. So good game for him at the end of the day. But I don't know. The run defense didn't look so hot in the uh, preseason. And it's like, well, you didn't have this guy in. You didn't have that guy in. Blah, 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 blah. And then in the secondary, it's like, well, yeah, you know, they were getting, yeah, you know, it's just, it's a depth problem. And obviously a depth problem is a big problem. Regardless, when your head coach, regardless of how you feel about him at this moment, when your head coach is concerned about the depth of your team, is somebody raising up concern on a podcast or on Twitter an idiot? Or do they maybe have a point of some sort? I think they do. I think the head coach bringing up the exact same things you were bringing up 
might prove your point and kind of shut theirs down at the end of the day. Oh, boy. <laughs> Cameron Danster fell off the depth chart so so far. He wasn't even active today. Is he that bad? Is he that bad? But Sean Breeland looks like he's going to fall off the depth chart pretty quickly. Because, boy, did he look promising not that long ago. And he was, what, two, three yards behind receivers. It felt like every God-blank play. But it wasn't quite that bad, but it sure felt like it. It sure felt like it. It made me sick. It made me absolutely furious. Um, I'm trying not to curse my head off. And I shouldn't be talking like that. You know, I mean, I'll get to the other point I'm going to get to as to why I shouldn't be talking like that. Other than I'd rather keep this a family show than an explicit, like, curse my head off nonsense, which is not really good in my opinion. It's, it's okay to get pissed, but if you're going to curse your head off the whole show, it's kind of lame. Uh, the offense. The offensive line, generally speaking, <sighs> do they suck, or are they idiots, or are they poorly prepared, or is there lack of communication? Well, I'm beginning to think when you go into the center named Bradbury, whatever his name is, Mr. Bradbury, I'm just playing with you. I, I think we're getting pretty close now to saying he's a bust. And I'm sorry, I, I think it's about time to call him a bust now. Because when you hear the term forklifted, and you're still hearing it, you know, you heard it as a rookie in 2019, you heard it in, in 2020, maybe slight improvements, but then the forklift came back. And then you heard it today again that he was forklifted on some pretty key plays down the stretch. It's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. I think Bradbury is pretty much a bust. And in the last two seasons, which again is first two seasons in the NFL, he was the bottom-ranked uh, pass-blocking center in the National Football League, according to Polo, uh, Pro Football Focus. That sucks. That's not going to work. It's, and, and you know what? That's on General Manager Joey right there because he was very high on my list, boy. Just two, two, two years ago, the uh, draft preview 2019, I was all like, let's get, man, I'm in love with this Bradbury guy. If one way or another we can get him. If, if it's in, maybe in the second round, this and that. Because I kind of thought he was going to slip into the second round or trade up at the bottom of the first, and we ended up just using the first on him, which maybe that was where the reach comes in. Uh, regardless, he's not a good center. He, he's not a good center. I mean, and that sucks. It's very disappointing. He's a, he's a decent pass-blocking center, I guess. That was kind of the idea. But if he's the worst, uh, yeah, did, did I say run-blocking or pass-blocking? Run-blocking center. He's at least decent at that sometimes. But if you're the worst pass-blocking center in the league, that's not going to work. You're not a starter, frankly. You don't want to be the worst one. <laughs> I mean, it's just a, that's not a good sign. Um, it was checked down Charlie all day, it felt like. Kirk Cousins attempted 49 passes in this game. 49 passes, 351 yards. Didn't turn the ball over. You look at the stats and you think, you know, just imagine, you know, somebody's just like, oh, look at those numbers. He, why, is, why is everybody hating on Kirk Cousins? Well, what the hell? He wasn't that good, though. <laughs> he wasn't that bad. He did almost throw an interception, though. I mean, it was like at a key point that would have probably just about basically ended the game right into the hands of a uh, Bengal defender. I can't remember which one it was because I just can't. Um, frankly, I don't give a damn at this point. Thankfully, it wasn't intercepted. And, well, it was another one of those mental gaffes. But the other thing is it just felt like check down Charlie, check down Charlie third and 20, third and this, third and that, and you're completing passes about 10 yards before the first down, five yards before first down, where the receiver... It, you know, we've been talking about this for the last 10 flipping years, haven't we? 10 years, 
you know, under Brad Shearer, you know, going back all the way back to the children's days. I mean, every effing time the receiver catches the ball on third and long, they got to break two tackles to get the first down. What the hell is that? Does that does that really add up to anything great? That's not a kick-ass offense. It's a suck-ass offense. Well, and yeah, I'm I'm just a little bit perturbed, just a little bit. Losing in Cincinnati is ah, and you know what? We've only won once in Cincinnati in our history, which is really crazy. And it dates way back in the day, way back in the good old days. Losing one, we've only won once in Cincinnati, so I guess that's history. I mean, it just is. The 95 Vikings were, you know, they had a pretty good offense. The secondary was starting to take a crap on itself. Or was it the run defense? I'm blanking on that one. It was the run defense was starting to take a crap on itself. The secondary was actually really good for a couple of years there. 95-96, and then uh, Orlando Thomas uh, had the ACL and was never the same. That sounds familiar, just like Cedric Griffin, and you could go on and on and on with other guys like that, where they lose a step, and that's it. You lose a step, and you're in the secondary? Good night. It, it, it's over. You're finished. Um, gosh, and it, it felt like, you know, and again, it, it felt like Breland was a step or so behind his receiver most of the game. Uh, Dantzler during the entire preseason was, was about three steps behind his, his receivers. It, not the whole preseason, but it just felt like it. You know, the big plays that he was embarrassed on, and he was just not even not even moving. It was just like, ah, screw it, whatever. He, he, he He's ahead of me. I'm not going to catch him. It was kind of like that. It was that kind of attitude that's probably not going to sit well with any coach, whether they're, whether they're 65 and crusty or 39 and, you know, row the boat, sky you mock, go gophers. Either one's going to get pissed off. Uh, Adam Thielen had a spectacular game. Let's be honest about that. He was targeted 10 times, caught the ball nine. A couple of huge plays, including that, that second touchdown was, was, a, was a thrill. It was a bit of a thrill. The angle he took, uh, caught the ball in stride. It was a great play by Cousins and Thielen, but Thielen was the one finishing it off. Two touchdowns. So thank you, Adam Thielen. Very solid performance. K.J. Osborne is looking like the real like like the real deal. I think he's at least a number three receiver. Seven catches, 76 yards in the game. Well done, young man. Justin Jefferson didn't have his best game. Uh, he was defended very well, to be fair. He was defended very well. The defense is very tight on Justin Jefferson. I was about to rant on Twitter about it, and then he almost scored a touchdown, and I guess he wasn't over the plane. Again, it felt like every bounce of the ball in this game just didn't go our way. Obviously, it's just, the you know, that's the fan in me getting a little whiny and bitchy about it. It felt like it. It really felt like every bounce of the ball didn't go our way. It felt like every call went against us. That's not the case. It's not the case, but it, gosh, man, it really felt like it the whole time. It drove me absolutely nuts. Again, like, I didn't get over the plane, and of course, the, uh, the defining play of the game in a lot of ways, unfortunately. The whole, you didn't deserve to win, and you're not going to play, where... Delvin Cook was most likely down. His rear end had most likely touched the ground before the ball was loose. Regardless, they called it a fumble. The play stood. And since he took over and got their field goal from Evan McPherson. Don't you love that kind of name? Both kickers were fantastic in today's game. You know, Greg Joseph, good job. Good job. He only attempted one field goal. He didn't get a chance to uh, go for the game winner. Evan McPherson did. That's why he had nine points and uh, Greg had six both teams scored three touchdowns. Both kickers made all three of their extra points, so there was none of that annoying gaffy crap. Uh, Jordan Berry was awesome. He he had a, a beautiful N20 and no touchbacks. Well done, Jordan. So he's avoiding the touchbacks like I was talking about back in the, <laughs> the season uh, preseason conversation because that was the first time I could talk about Jordan Berry out of Melbourne. 
Um, both of our kickers are going to have a, a different accent from us um, from us bloody Americans, as they might call us. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and Jordan Barry with eight punts. That sucks. That's a lot of punts. Uh, 50 yards average. He had a beauty very late in the game. That 63-yarder kicking the getting the ball into like the two, I believe. It was like the two or three. It was way back in there in the in the five range. Uh, beautiful punt by Jordan Berry. And again, no touchbacks. He only had one in the 20. But that's because our field position was, you know, what it was. It wasn't real good for most of the game, thanks to our penalties. Every time it looked like something was going well, it was holding offense. Holding offense. There was a little bit of hope. Okay, shoot. It was an incomplete pass. Okay, now it's holding. So now we're at second and 20. And that's just it. It's, it's just game over. Every time it's long. Anytime you get a holding penalty, it's like you might as well pull out the punting team or the or the, or the the field goal team, whatever the hell the situation is. I don't know what the hell. Squadron left, squadron fly. Okay, sorry. But that's what it's like. I don't know what the hell. You might as well, though. You might as well get special teams on the field, regardless of the situation, because every freaking time it's going to be check down Charlie or a handoff on second and long, or it's check down Charlie. You know, you get a five-yard uh, gain at best. And it's that third and 15, and we all just know. It's going to be an incomplete pass, or it's going to be, oh, it's completed for seven yards, but uh, that's it. Obviously not long enough or not far enough for a first down. Like, we can't see that, but obviously they have to say it regardless. You're only seven yards shy. I mean, you might as well pull the chains out to figure out that one. Get the chains out. Maybe they made it. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I I don't know. I'm just in a mood, and I I think a lot of you are right now. Vikings fan line or this or that, all these different uh, fan line, vent line, vent line's better in my opinion. In my opinion, but maybe not yours. Alexander Madison, <laughs> yeah, he had a couple of moments out there, but not a whole lot. It was pretty much cook, 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 cook. Nine check down attempts in Delvin Cook's direction. Only a couple of them ended up really becoming anything, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, he had a long of nine in the receiving department, a long of 17. Uh, yep, he, you know, he just, you know, he's the MVP of the offense, but Cincinnati's defense knew that, obviously, and that was the result. I mean, he was contained. Joe Mixon, who, you know, the numbers you look at here, when you compare Delvin Cook and Joe Mixon, which I think is a very big thing here in Minnesota, because we kept talking about Joe Mixon to Minnesota in that same draft, 2017, um, and, well, we ended up uh, passing on Mixon and, and, and uh, trading up to get Cook. And you look at these numbers, it's like you think they, they should be the opposite, right? Like, it, it, it's the opposite. Delvin Cook with 127 and uh, and uh, Joe Mixon with the 61. That, you know, with only three yards of carry, that type of thing. You know, the three yards in a clouds of dust most of the time. But no, unfortunately, it's the opposite here. And that sucks, about four and a half yards for Mixon. So it pissed me off. The fan base in Cincinnati made me annoyed. I know it's like, what are you getting all pissed about? But it just felt like they're kind of, I don't know. It was obnoxious. Every time one little thing went against the Vikings, they scream and yell like Packer fans. And then Joe Mixon with that kind of, I don't know, that arrogance after he had like a big first down. And I'm thinking, get the hell out of here, dude. You haven't done jack squat for four years. You know, a couple of good moments, you know, compared to what he was supposed to be. And then the fan base, my my take on that was like, you guys, your team hasn't done anything for in eons. Shut the hell up. But... I don't know. Part again, that was that just me being a fan and losing my mind like a like an idiot, which is uh, my apologies if uh, you take it that way. I understand if you would. Tyler Conklin, four catches, 41 yards, solid, you know, this and that. 
had that big play late that had us hopeful that something good was going to happen. But then, of course, you know, obviously that was in the drive that led the Vikings to their game-tying field goal. A 53-yard kick, uh, which leads me to another rant, <laughs> which is all NFL coaches, every NFL coach in the league, every college coach, every football coach. Raise your hand if you're sick and tired of freezing the kicker. Are we all done with that? Can we just kick the ball and somebody wins or somebody ties the game or whatever the hell, or so, you know, you miss and you lose or whatever the heck happens. Can we just move on from that? I'm done with this freeze the kicker crap. It's nonsense. Just get out of here. Get out of here. I'm glad it didn't work, frankly. You know, and especially for uh, for the Vikings and Greg Joseph, uh, after he had made it, when the, the, the timeout was called while he was kicking the ball. That's, that's horse crap. Uh, and I guess the similar thing with uh, Evan McPherson. Though Zimmer was actually pissed off that it went that way because he didn't want to be able to go out through his full motion. He wanted him to really kind of come out of his motion, like, say, like a bowler. You know, you you messed up a little bit and you're dead. Uh, like, like a bowler would might bowl a gutter in that situation. And, of course, a kicker, same thing. He might kick the ball into, you know, <laughs> might kick the ball into somebody's forehead instead of through the upright, um, that kind of thing. But I'm kind of, I'm bored with the uh, ice to kicker crap. I think it's Bush League at this point. It's stupid. Can can we move on? Seriously. Uh, Joe, McPher- uh, Joe McPherson, I just called him that. Joe Burrow was burrowing under, I guess, a bit in the second, uh, after he'd been sacked a few times and was getting up hobbling. Uh, they ended up handing the ball off a lot, but it still worked because the Vikings defense just wasn't up to par most of the way. Again, a valiant comeback, and that's nice. I'm glad the Vikings were able to come back from 24-14. That's good. You know, let's be fair. Ten-point comeback in the fourth quarter deserves a little bit of, you know, recognition. Um, Vikings trailed 21-7. to You know, that's ultimately a 14-point comeback from uh, midway through the third uh, third quarter. Again, generally speaking, to be able to tie it up. It's a nice, valiant comeback, but at the same time, to fall behind by that much against a team that was 2-14 two, two years ago. I don't give a damn if Burrow was the number one pick in the draft. He's just coming back from a... Uh, from an ACL injury, you know, I mean, I know he's got a chance, and quite frankly, as irritated as I was today with the loss, irritated with the Bengals fans, and, and just, which when, which I shouldn't be, I, I don't know why that even got to me, it shouldn't bother me at all, maybe Packer fans, and that's about it, um, at the same time, it's about, it, it would be about time that a number one pick is able to stay healthy and help Cincinnati uh, do something. Because they have been through hell, literally hell. Uh, Kajana Carter. I mean, I mean, I've gone on and on about those situations. Kajana Carter was like the greatest college uh, running back ever. Basically, comes to uh, Cincinnati with the number one overall pick, which was the right pick at the time. ACL before he before he could basically set foot on any real field. It was just heartbreaking, and he was never the same. He was like a third or fourth running back basically the rest of his short career. Breaks your heart. Breaks your heart. Um, Multiple quarterbacks. Achilles Smith was, you know, he got hurt right away. Was never the same. You know, uh, breaks your heart. You know, Carson Palmer was absolutely great, and then he had an ACL in a playoff game against Pittsburgh late when they were when they maybe had a chance to beat Pittsburgh. Um, oh, just breaks your heart, man. And and he was never really the same. He was okay, but he wasn't as good. He looked like he might be the best quarterback in the league or top five, and then he wound up being, you know in the middle of the road or slightly above middle of the road 
which again breaks your heart at the end of the day as a football fan, not as a Viking fan, you know, seeing Cincinnati not do well. Um, but end of the day, extremely frustrating as a Viking fan. Again, poor execution. <sighs> Losing a game that everybody, and I mean everybody, had penciled in as a victory. Some people might have penned it in or even etched it in stone, which had been a big mistake because, well, we've only won once in Cincinnati and we started playing them in 1973. 1973, that's just about 50 years ago. AFC team, so you don't play them nearly as often, especially back in the old days. Nowadays, you play them once every four years. But back in the old days, it was very, very, very infrequent. Uh, it could be like a seven-year, eight-year wait sometimes to play a team, and sometimes you play them two years in a row uh, if they're in the opposite conference. Just a random luck of the draw, so to speak. Uh, so, uh, again, now we're 1-7 in, in Cincinnati. That would be a fire the coach and start over type of record, basically. Vikings start with that record. It's over, folks. <laughs> it's over, Johnny. <laughs> At the end of the day. Uh, Chris Boyd, again, not any better when, uh, now that I'm jumping back into a different thing. It's just kind of general game conversation here. I like what, well, yeah, Nick Vigil, I thought he was wonderful. Did a wonderful job in, uh, in uh, the you know, filling in for Anthony Barr, of course, former Cincinnati Bengals. Did a great job. Ten total tackles and a sack. Great game. Harrison Smith was able to get in there for a sack. Daniel Hunter, as I mentioned. Vikings wind up with a total of five sacks on Mr. Burrow. Kirk Cousins was able to get rid of the ball for the most part. B.J. Hill was able to get two sacks. Larry Ogunjobi also added a sack for Cincy. Um, what was I getting into? Uh, Mr. Boyd there, Chris Boyd. Yeah, I mean, when Braylon was terrible, Boyd came in to help, and or Boyd came in to replace him, and he wasn't any better. It was just the same thing. So <laughs> you saw the game, that kind of thing. Um, positives of the game again K.J. Osborne he, he looks the part he looks like a wide receiver in the NFL he does positives again I mean Adam Thielen looks he looks better than last year uh, Thielen had a disappointing season last year despite the fact he got 14 touchdowns he had a he had an off and on year with the injuries but again big numbers in the end zone so, so even if you're a fantasy player with their number of yards so I, I shouldn't call it disappointing it's just disappointing in general like with the injury plague but this year looks healthier and more ready to go, despite, uh, yeah, despite something. <laughs> I'll leave that alone. Justin Jefferson, kind of a creative little play, 11-yard completion to K.J. Osborne. That was a good one, one completion. Quarterback rating of 112.5. Joe Burrow, quarterback rating of 128.8. Big overall performance. Good job on both quarterbacks not turning the ball over. Jamar Chase burned us pretty good, though, particularly Mr. Breland down the stretch. 101 yards, obviously receiving there. But, uh, yeah, general positives. Again, Michael Pierce, Eric Kendrick, spectacular tackles all over the place. General negatives, it just seemed like Cincinnati, you know, it felt like it, but obviously the Vikings defense was able to contain Joe Burrow, or Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon. It's the other Joe. Joe Mixon at times, and then other times it just, you know, seemed like seven, eight yards over and over and over in big moments. It was heartbreaking, and it drove you crazy. And again, the poor, uh, the secondary does not look better than last season. Despite the fact it should be better, it does not look better. One positive, I guess you could say about the secondary, other than Harrison Smith, I think he had a pretty good game. And he, you know, obviously with the veterans now versus uh, a rookie making dumb mistakes, Patrick Peterson only made one tackle in the game. What does that tell you? They never threw the ball in Patrick Peterson's direction. They still have a fear and respect of that guy. You can see that in a big way. One tackle, and it was on a run play. 
So think about that with Patrick Peterson. They avoid him like they avoided him like the plague, which is quite interesting. And of course, again, obviously the other side is more of a was more of a weak point most of the way. Breland and Boyd uh, at the end of the day, and in limited action, Mackenzie Alexander did what he did a lot in the past. He deflected it a pass. Xavier Woods did the same along the way. Now maybe I'm blobbity blobbiting a little bit too much. But looking at some positives, obviously negatives, secondary generally does not look good, but Patrick Peterson, again, they're avoiding him. Uh, you're still seeing the chuck down Charlie crap, check down Charlie crap, uh, and obviously the penalties are the biggest thing of all. It was awful, unorganized, big mess, which often falls, falls on coaching and on team leadership as well. Come on, guys, get it together. Uh, now we have to hope and pray that we can win a game that we were not supposed to. That way maybe things can even out and we'll still get 10 wins. Woohoo. Um, which isn't enough in my opinion. I'd like to see a much, much uh, better season, like a 12-4, and 13-5, and uh, 13-4 would be a lot better. Might give you hope of something wonderful happening someday, but I'm not so sure at this point, at this moment. Hearn did no catches, two targets. That's another small note. The... Fran Tarkington Award for this episode. It's going to go to two guys. I know I do this all the time. We'll go with Michael Pierce and Adam Thielen. It could just go to Adam Thielen in a lot of ways. He had a wonderful game. Adam Thielen was a, was a bright spot in this game in a big way. He made the big plays when we needed him most. Nookie Blanky, as PA might say, uh, well, but just a very comfortable player for Kirk Cousins. And he should be. He's wonderful. Uh, he does a wonderful job. He actually catches the ball, which is what you're supposed to do. The... The uh, Christian Ponder Memorial, obviously biggest disappointment of the game. I'd have to go with, at this point, probably Breland. I mean, he was very disappointing. Or, obviously, Bradbury. Bradbury, generally speaking, as well. Uh, and the penalties, that's kind of the urban legend. Like, how do you get 10 penalties in the first half? How do you get 10 penalties in the first half? It's freaking horrible. It's embarrassing. Long story longer, it's just another one of those games. You just chalk it up and... I don't know. I mean, you want to, you, you wish you could just chalk it, you know, like chalk it up like, oh, well, we'll be okay, and we'll go on to the next week and flush this one out. If anybody tells me to flush this one out, I'll respond to them with, this is the National Football League. We ain't flushing nothing out. You know why we're not flushing anything out? Because every game counts in a, in a bigger way than, uh, like, say, an 82-game season in the NHL, 162 games in baseball. I mean, the best team in baseball could lose 17 to nothing to some horse crap team and still win the World Series easily. Have a fantastic, fantastic season. Um, but, you know, in this case, it's just like, whew. <laughs> it's embarrassing. It, em, embarrassing to be this undisciplined, to be this, like, out of control. It's it's sad. Absolutely sad. Time of possession was almost, I mean, it was like twins. 35-09 for the Vikings. 34-51 for the Bungles. I want to see... I'm not sure why. This isn't showing what I needed to see. And it's kind of irritating me a little bit. This is not what I need. Uh, should be here. There we go. No. Penalties for first. Three and one. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> no, I know what it means. It gives you a first down. I just want overall penalties. And I know it's in here. And I'm going crazy at the end of the day. Cincinnati rushed about 36 times. Isn't that crazy? But, uh, yeah, the net yards rushing him. 150 to 67. Mm-hmm. Mm, total yards. Vikings are actually ahead because of big, a lot of passes. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. So we are throwing the ball more. It's just unfortunately a lot of them are freaking checked out. Uh, checked down Charlie. That's the frustrating part. 
and they're just not showing what I want here, and that's pissing me off. I don't know why they keep changing stuff and taking stuff out. Here we go. Okay, 116 penalty yards. Yay. So at the end of the day, it was 91. So that gives us uh, 91 for 10. So I guess it was 12 penalties. Uh, obviously, uh, yeah, 17 total, but 12 of them were accepted. That's what's throwing me off again. There were 17 penalties, but only 12 were accepted because you gotta you got to count that in at the end of the day. Yeah, but showing 12 for us and 3 for the Bengals, only 3. It felt pretty one-sided. You know, but I guess that's on us that it felt one-sided. That's a pretty big urban legend that we could be that undisciplined going into Cincinnati. But I guess we were. Uh, maybe we should have played Cincinnati sooner when, you know, Zimmer would be more motivated to go beat the team he, he used to coach, you know. Yeah, but then again, it, would be, it should have been a more of a fun, happy thing because it's not like he left angrily. He just, uh, you know, got he, he got promoted. He got He accepted a better job, so to speak. With that said, we will take a break and come back for the good old... NFL and NFC North Roundup and start previewing next week's opponent in segment numero dos. We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two, which puts a big smile on my face. It always brightens things up when it's a, you know, a crappy week and what a crappy start to the season. I mean, what a piece of, you know what, what a piece of crap. <laughs> Losing to Cincinnati. Great way to start the season. Yeah, yeah, okay, I've rambled enough. Let's uh, let's start dancing around the NFL here. Tampa Bay, Dallas, the official season opener for the 2021 season. Fans in the building everywhere. It's good. Uh, you know, it's, it's nice to see things semi-normal again, though normal has an asterisk next to it. It's never been normal, folks, but uh, then again, there's, uh, yeah, it's worse than normal. Okay, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers end up winning 31-29. to It's unbelievable, 49 game-winning drives for Tom Brady. 49 game-winning drives now for Tom Brady throughout his illustrious career. 22 seasons in the NFL, 44 years of age, and he's still really good. Dak Prescott put on a bit of a show as well. This was in Buccaneerland, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just kind of ha- held on most of the way. A couple of turnovers for Brady, but four overall touchdowns, some beauties. Really started things out fast, and Dallas just couldn't recover. Three touchdowns, 403 yards for Dak Prescott. Need to balance that offense out a little bit, but I suppose they're playing from behind. 58 pass attempts, though. 50 pass attempts for Brady. 58. 58 for the Dallas Cowboys is uh, Dak Prescott, but nice to have him back after that nasty ankle uh, break not too long ago, of course. Um, amazing run for Tom Brady. That's, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of you are sick of him and don't want to see him play anymore and all that, and you were sick of him with the Patriots, but me, it's like I never really wanted to end it, unless, unless it prevents the Vikings from winning a Super Bowl, but yeah, I think I've made my feelings knowing of how this season looks at the moment. But I'm not down on the year. Or I mean, I'm not thinking it's over yet. You never know. I mean, the Giants looked like horse crap back in 2007. And they looked even weaker in 2011. And they got two rings out of those seasons. So, But what a fun, entertaining start to the season, especially if you like offense. And you got to see Gronkowski catch eight passes. A couple of touchdowns, 90 yards. Pretty wild stuff. 
Do Brady and Gronkowski still have it? You better believe it, Buster. <laughs> Antonio Brown, great uh, overall game as well. My goodness, that's who uh, Brady wanted. Funny, that's who Brady wanted the year before in New England, and he had basically nobody to throw the ball to in New England in his final season to Brady. It was a very frustrating year, and we saw it on the sidelines, his frustrations with his receivers that just couldn't do, just, they just couldn't play. That's just all there is to say about it. They could play a little bit, good enough to be in the NFL, but not enough to really get too far. Not enough to get too far. Goodwin had a big uh, fumble loss late, which I thought was going to lead to the Cowboys winning, but Brady still had enough time to take his team down the field and win that sucker. Ryan stuck up with the game-winning kick, and the Patriots, no, the Patriot, the Patriot Nears end up winning it all, or winning the game anyway. Greg Zierlein actually missed a couple of kicks also. That didn't help the Cowboys' cause. He missed an extra point as well. Um, that's just kind of how it goes. I mean, the Cowboys just kind of shot themselves in the foot at times, and that ended up costing them. But I suppose everybody shoots themselves in the foot once in a while. Congratulations, Tampa. I've babbled a little too long, but it was a very entertaining opening to the season. Some of these games here, you're not going to have a whole lot of conversation. Philadelphia off to a very, very nice start. And let's just say, this, this one is kind of a, this one, like say if I was one of those guys on the set or whatever, like, I, you know, who's going to win this game? You know, you have a quick little take, you know, like a 30 seconds or whatever. Eagles or, or Atlanta, blah, blah, blah. This one would be more of a pick em. I'd probably lean Atlanta, you know, just because Philadelphia kind of is what they are, but I don't know. Atlanta sucks. Uh, Philadelphia, there's some momentum going in the right direction, I suppose. 32-6. to six, I think it's going in the right direction. Nice, impressive road victory for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Well, man. Well, well, well. Well, my, my, my. <laughs> well, my, my, my. Very impressive start to his season. Three touchdowns, no turnovers. 264 yards and a very high quarterback rating of 126. Matt Ryan just I don't know. Matt Ryan's is just not a whole lot going on, and the Philadelphia shut the, shut down the uh, Falcons most of the way, and he doesn't have a whole lot of uh, guys to throw the ball to like he did in the past. Ridley can play a bit. Pitts can play. Hurst, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's there's decent wide receivers there, but it's nothing too spectacular. Cordero Patterson led the Falcons with 54 yards and seven carries. Cordero Patterson is now on the Falcons. Interesting. But uh, impressive start for the Eagles. I better keep moving. I don't think either one of them is a big threat at the moment. But here's where I would have lost. Say, if I was betting or picking or stuff, I would have looked like a moron today. Buffalo at home, and I think a lot of people would. Buffalo at home versus the Pittsburgh Steelers team with washed up Ben Roethlisberger. Who's who's going to win this game? The team I picked to win the Super Bowl this year, which will probably be wrong. Of course they will. Uh, or the Pittsburgh Steelers, the washed up club. Oh, you know Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's going to win. Yeah, well, they have six Super Bowls, so history's on their side. Yeah, history's on their side one way or another. And Buffalo's just a bunch of chokers. Well, yeah, Buffalo choked all right. Sure did. Neither quarterback was that great in the game, to be quite honest. Even though Josh Allen attempted 100 million passes, and 51 to be exact. Roethlisberger, my God, barely 50%. I mean, what is this, the 70s or something? <laughs> Pittsburgh wins in Buffalo. Pittsburgh wins in Buffalo, 23-16. Okay, Pittsburgh, yeah, Pittsburgh won. Yeah, you know, but of course, it's just one of those weird, crazy, what-the-hell-happened kind of games. It's just, Buffalo actually scored late on a field goal to get back and to, to get kind of get kind of back in it, to get within a one-score touchdown situation. But what the heck? I mean, Pittsburgh blocked a, t- a punt attempt, and, yep, 
yeah, that was one of the big moments. Uh, that was one of the big moments of that game. That was the game changer right there. Because Pittsburgh had just gone up by three. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, you know, completing a pass to Deontay Johnson to put the Pittsburgh Steelers ahead, 13-10. to 10. Buffalo just didn't capitalize in this game. That's the whole problem. I mean, they just did not score. I mean, only 10 points uh, up to, like, midway through the fourth quarter. That's not going to get it done for one. I mean, it, it, Pittsburgh isn't breathing, uh, you know, Pittsburgh's got some, got some. I mean, you know, they're they're within striking distance to win this sucker, and then they're up by ten points and all that. Obviously, that block punt. That's just one of those moments where, regardless if Pittsburgh's up by three or down by three, it's just one of those moments where you're like, did this really just happen? And yeah, and that's why the Steelers end up winning the game. One of those ma- major momentum moments. Detroit made things interesting. Massive comeback after San Francisco was crushing them, basically. This has always been a good and entertaining matchup for some reason. San Francisco-Detroit. I mean, going back into... Uh, oh God, why am I blanking on all these names? Jim Harbaugh, yep, when he was the coach of the Niners, and they were really good. Circa 2011, 2012, 2013-ish. And Detroit was kind of going up a little bit as well with... Uh, why am I blanking on the guy's name? Uh, the hair conditioner was about to start up. I kept forgetting to turn that off. I apologize. But yeah, Jim Schwartz, of course, the... It's like it's Jim Harbaugh versus, yeah, I mean, it's Jim Harbaugh versus Jim, 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 oh, Schwartz, okay, sorry. Yeah, that was a very, he was a very damn good defensive coordinator with the, uh, after that with the Eagles, and of course a good defensive coordinator before that. Detroit's defense was damn good during that era, and a lot of those Jim Schwartz uh, defensive stars uh, went on to uh, play for Jim Caldwell, the the next Jim, obviously the more offensive-minded. Both of the Jims did a fairly good job. Caldwell especially, but Schwartz had a decent moment, obviously, and you had that entertaining uh, episode with Jim Harbaugh slapping Schwartz on the back after they squeezed past him in a very, very entertaining game, circa 2012, and Schwartz went after him. It's going to be a big fight after the game. I don't know, Detroit-San Francisco's fun. 41-33, good job, both clubs. Uh, San Francisco needed this one. They don't want to blow it. They were pretty much ahead most of the way. Jimmy Garoppolo put up nice numbers, only one touchdown, but yeah, but the Trey Lance attempted one pass, and it was a touchdown, nice fun play there. Jared Goff, good game. You see, you know, Jared Goff, this is a good game. Who would you rather have right now quarterbacking the Vikings, Jared Goff or Kirk Cousins? Is that a real question? I think it might be. I think it might be. Now, this, of course, this game should actually be pushed to the side for a moment because it's an NFC North roundup, so I better... Cut this out. Sorry for being inefficient. I'll come back to that. But, uh, yeah, we'll talk about Jared Goff some more later. And there's next week's opponent crushing somebody. Rutrow. We'll get back to that. <clears throat> yeah, I'm almost double, double dose, double dip mistakes there. Joey's rusty and he sucks at this. Indianapolis Colts at home got throttled by Seattle. Okay, well, I mean, Seattle's obviously dangerous and picking them to finish last in the West. Uh, it's like, I just knew I'm going to be wrong about that. But the NFC West is good. Like I was talking about, you might be 9-8 and eight and finish 4th in the NFC West. They're pretty good. Like right now, Seattle's considered a 3rd place team, even though they're 1-0 versus the now 0-1 Indianapolis Colts. Carson Wentz is healthy enough to play. Good for him. Did he finish the game? Yes, he did. And he didn't turn the ball over. Good job. We'll see what happens there. <laughs> Got 38 pass attempts, 251, two touchdowns. Russell Wilson, basically a perfect game. Only attempted 23 passes, four touchdowns, and had basically just under a perfect quarterback rating. I don't know why not, basically. Chris Carson, obviously dangerous running back, kind of did what he wanted, but he did turn the ball over. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, both had some big moments. 
along the way, but Seattle ends up surviving in Indianapolis and getting the win. They pretty much had this thing not completely in the bag, but for the most part, when Indianapolis started to make things slightly interesting in the second quarter, but for the most part, Seattle was just kind of, you know, in control. Not in major control, but in control enough to feel somewhat confident. The Washington football team, the, pick, the team I picked to win the NFC East. Yeah, I picked them to win the NFC East. Playing against the San Diego Superchargers. San Diego Superchargers. Oh, they're the L.A. Chargers. Yeah, but I thought they, I thought for sure Washington, the Washington W's were going to beat the uh, the Bolts, the Los Angeles Chargers, and they didn't. The Los Angeles Chargers march into the capital and get the win, 20-16. to 16. Okay, I don't know, maybe picking Washington to win division wasn't a good idea. They don't exactly have Joe Montana on the sidelines. Tyler Hickey, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, I've seen worse. Justin Herbert's going to be good. He keeps getting better, this and that. Number two pick in the draft, blah, 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 blah. He's got all kinds of uh, excitement going forward. Keenan Allen, a lot of us think he's overrated, but then he has, you know, century mark games. It is what it is. Antonio Gibson, 90 yards on the ground, no AP. No AP for Washington, no AP for, for Detroit. It's kind of sad. I, I enjoyed keeping up with Adrian Peterson, uh, even though it's like, it's like, you know, I, I enjoyed keeping up with him just for the fact of, like, you know, the Hall of Fame numbers and he's climbing the ladder for the all-time greatest rushers. It was it was cool to keep up with, but unfortunately that's it. The uh, Adrians and the Frank Gores and the Danian Tomlinsons are all long gone, aren't they? Carolina Panthers versus the New York Jets. <sighs> 19-14, Carolina wins. Do you want to talk about anything else? Uh, do you want to talk about something else? But at least Zach Wilson played good for him. Not the greatest game ever, but certainly not the worst. He'll probably be better than Darnold, the other guy on the sideline. It's, it's fun how the NFL does stuff like this. Darnold going against the club that drafted him, number three overall, number number three overall, not that long ago. He actually had a solid game, and they won, and they won. It certainly helps to have Christian McCaffrey, the king of kings when it comes to all-purpose yardage in this day and age. He can catch, he can run, he can do this, he can do that, if he can stay healthy. That's the one thing. Somebody called Corey Davis. Yeah, we've heard of him on the uh, New York sidelines, though. Very solid performance. 97 yards, a couple of touchdowns. It'd be a very nice pickup for fantasy footballers out there. Uh, yeah, I'm not one of you. I'm not one of you. I'll, I'll give you little bits and pieces of advice. It's okay to be retired and still comment on stuff like that. Corey Davis. Good, good game for him. Obviously, Adam Thielen would have been a big, big one for Viking fans. I'm sure Christian McCaffrey is a first-round pick every year as long as he stays healthy. Because it's all-purpose yardage, baby. You know, when you can get 89 and 98 like that, like 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 he did, and you know that's that's nice stuff. Him being Christian McCaffrey, Jacksonville and Houston. Who do you think won this one? Who won this one? You get the uh, nice young rookie. Yeah, it's a road game, but Houston's a mess. They're a disaster. Okay, Tyrod Taylor's played before. He's done well. He's 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 been a quarterback in this league, but the vibe sucks there. You know, Jacksonville. You know, the vibe has sucked there. But you know, hey, here we go. Number one overall pick. Yeah, Houston scores 37 points and wins 37 to 21. They went easily in this one. Crushed them. Houston. Well, maybe Houston's better than we thought. Obviously, they have talented players. Mark Ingram, the second former Saint. He's a Saint, ladies and gentlemen. He ran for 85 yards and got in the end zone. Not overly spectacular numbers. Trevor Lawrence threw the ball 51 times. Low completion percentage, 332 yards, three INTs, three touchdowns. Fun to see him out there, but yeah, it's a mess. And Houston's defense got the job done. 
in a big way, keeping the Jacksonville Jaguars down to only 21 points. Only one sack in the game from Whitney Mercilius. Merciless. Whitney Merciless. What's wrong with me? Whitney Merciless. He's merciless, all right, because he got that sack. He is a mean SOB. And then somebody named Josh Allen, not the quarterback of the Bills, but a, a defensive player on the Jacksonville Jaguars got one sack in Houston, just two total sacks in the game. But Tyrus Taylor got the job done for the most part, didn't turn the ball over, almost 300 yards passing, much more efficient game than the young whippersnapper over there with the long hair for Jax. So unfortunately, Jax was, you know, it just didn't go well. That's just all there is to say. Kansas City-Cleveland, that is a highlight type of game. This could be the NFC Championship game. In fact, a lot of people might really think so now after Buffalo laid an egg at home versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. That sucks. Sucks, man. Come on, Buffalo. Wake up. But you'll see a lot of teams lay eggs today in their first game that you thought maybe they'd do a little better, including the Minnesota Vikings. That's right. The Minnesota Vikings laid an egg. That's right. A certain other team we're going to talk about shortly that I'm putting in the back burner. And then another team really laid an egg. We'll get to them in a moment. I mean, they laid an egg the size of uh, a dinosaur, the size of a T-Rex. It's, you know, they laid a Tyrannosaurus rag. Uh, rag. They laid a Tyrannosaurus egg. <laughs> Kansas City 33, Cleveland 29. I'm sorry, Vince. I wanted Cleveland. I really, I really like Cleveland a lot. They had a nine-point lead with ten minutes, ten and a half minutes remaining. And Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, you give him the ball, plenty of time, too much time for Patrick, and he's going to Patrick Kane them into the you-know-where. Just like every time Patrick Kane's by himself with the puck, he scores against the Wild. Every time. Chicago Blackhawks winger, uh, right winger of the Chicago Blackhawks, if you happen to watch hockey or if you don't. Yeah, every time he touches the puck by himself, he's going to score. Fudge knuckers. And that obnoxious SOB, Tyreek Hill, 78-yard touchdown immediately after Cleveland. Kareem Hunt, former Kansas City Chief, was able to rush into the end zone to give the Cleveland Browns ultimately uh, a nine-point lineup for making it eight and the extra point and blah, blah, blah. 75-yard pass, our completion, completion play with Mahomes and Tyreek annoying ass Hill. And then, of course, uh, Travis Kelsey, the clutch, tough tight end as well. Uh, got the game winner. Two-point attempt failed. They're trying to go up by a, uh, more of a even number there. Unable to do so. Trying to go by two field goals, I guess, versus four points to, uh, what's the point? Losing my mind here. They would have gone up by six if they made the two-point conversion. Okay. Um, (laughs) As a a former politician might say, what difference does it make? I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy here, but what difference does it make? 35, 29, four points, six points, two field goals, I guess. I, I guess. Wow. Okay. Two field goals. I'm confused. I'm, I'm just looking. Well, yeah, there were seven minutes remaining. Okay. I get it now. Sorry. I get it now. I'm an idiot. Somewhat. Somewhat of an idiot. Come on, Baker. Come on, Baker. You get the turnover. You don't throw any touchdowns. Nick Chubb did a great job. But see, that's the one effing thing about Cleveland is they turn the ball over a little bit. They turn the ball over. Baker Mayfield is about as much as a number one pick as... Uh, yeah, as Patrick Mahomes isn't the number one overall pick. It's kind of like that. You know what I'm saying? Maybe Baker Mayfield could be a first-round pick because he should be in the mix. He's got talent, but he's all over the place. He's oh, Come on, Baker. Damn it. Perform a little better, you know? If you could perform a little better, you know, you just might beat the best team in the NFL called the Chiefs. 
I hate calling them that, but they are. They are the best team in the NFL, unless you want to say Tampa is. But it is between those two. Doesn't mean they'll be the best in the Super Bowl, because they weren't. Okay, I'll shut up now. Terry Gill, almost 200. Shut up about that, anyway. Almost 200 yards. It's receiving. Jeez. All-purpose yards, 201. He rushed for four, so congratulations, Tyreek. You did get into the 200-yard range. Oh, man. Mm. I don't know. There's something missing with Cleveland, isn't there? It's the killer instinct. That's what it is. They're, they're, they got everything, man. They got offense. They got defense. They got good coaching. Young coaches got 20, 30 years left of coaching. They got a, a quarterback who was taken number one in the draft. They have an outstanding running back, multiple running backs, great defensive players, very talented receivers, including Landry and that other moron that used to play for the Giants. Okay, let's just leave that alone. Uh, Chantinian, Clowney, as long as he's not losing his mind. Miles Garrett. Oh, no, that was Miles Garrett that went crazy. Pardon me. Um, Very talented team, top to bottom. But just come on, get that killer instinct. That's why they couldn't beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. They had a shot. I mean, their quarterback was not Patrick Mahomes. He was injured. So finish the job. I mean, that's part of the game, right? Did anybody feel sorry for the Vikings when, uh, you know, when, uh, well, when Rich Gannon, I don't even know. Like, say, if Warren Moon was out and you had to put in Sean Salisbury, stuff like that. Nobody felt sorry for us. Nobody felt sorry for us one bit. Nobody felt sorry for the Vikings when we had to have Todd Bauman in there instead of Dante Culpepper, though a lot of Viking fans would have felt the opposite. Uh, we'd rather have Bauman than Culpepper, but I wasn't really one of those guys. I mean, Bauman was so limited. Let's continue. Miami, New England. I mean, history. History, folks. Just like Cincinnati, even though it's complete bullcrap that we lost in Cincinnati today. History. I mean, that's the only somewhat excuse I can come up with. It's not a good excuse at all. But it's just sometimes you just don't win in certain places or against certain teams. It's just history's been on Miami's side versus New England for like forever. Forever. Uh, except when Marino was quarterback of Miami. New England whooped the crap out of them. That uh, yeah, team that had Drew Bledsoe <laughs> that went to the Super Bowl. I didn't like that team. I liked the team a couple of years later. <sighs> Tua, 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 till you're satisfied. Decent, just decent, but again, just mediocre. Kind of reminds me of uh, other guys. Mac Jones is a little better, definitely, but Miami somehow won the game. They just did. Very nice numbers for Damian Harris, and Mac Jones, good start to his career. Quarterback rating over 100. He didn't turn the ball over, but there was nothing dominant or exciting about it either for New England. But I think you're going to get a little bit more stable play out of Mac Jones than you're going to get out of uh, Cam Newton now as a free agent. He's a little bit all over the place and he's injury prone and I don't know, he's crazy. (laughs) Crazy and sometimes lazy. I don't know, but maybe that was uh, lazy in just terms in that that Super Bowl moment where he wouldn't go after the fumble, but I guess he was coached like that. Don't go after the ball. Let the other players do it, which I don't think I like that. But Miami somehow gets past New England in a not very exciting game. Not really. They just, uh, Miami ends up winning. Let's keep going. Before this drags on way too long, Green Bay and New Orleans, yeah. (laughs) Teddy, Teddy, Teddy. It's not Drew Locke, it's Teddy Bridgewater. 27, Denver, New York football giants. 13, New York football giants. 13. Teddy, Teddy, Teddy. 264 yards, two touchdowns, 115 quarterback rating. Solid, solid game. I know against a team that we don't know who the hell they are. 
I've heard of Daniel Jones a little bit. He was quarterback of Duke. Duke. Yeah, not not yeah. Mike Krzyzewski wasn't his coach. It's the wrong sport. Wrong Duke. But it's Duke. Sterling Shepard had an awesome game, let's be honest, for the Giants. He did well. Helped the Giants be in the game and all that. 113 yards and a touchdown. Jerry Judge Judy with a very solid performance like he does always have. Noah Fant, one of the best tight ends in the league. Melvin Gordon, very strong. Averaged nine yards a carry because of a 70-yard scamper. That was what brought his numbers up into the, into the sky. Teddy Bridgewater, just solid in the Denver defense. Solid as well as he got some of those old guys that were uh, stud, young studs when Denver won the Super Bowl a few years back in 2015. Like older guys now, veteran guys like Von Miller and such. Awesome players for that team. couple of sacks on DJ Daniel Jones and Teddy Bridgewater. Good job, buddy. I'm not rooting against Teddy. Good job, Teddy. Chicago, so we'll get to the NFC North. First, we'll say Baltimore, Las Vegas. Monday night football. We won't be able to talk about that one this week, unfortunately. Las Vegas. Let's go Vegas, I guess. I like Baltimore. I like Vegas. I kind of like both of them. Wish I could have that game on right now. Chicago and Los Angeles Rams are flashing in the background like the like the tradition of the second and third segment. The Los Angeles Rams lead 13 to zilch over the Red Rifle over there. So you can see him wearing his nice navy blue Chicago BS jersey. And um, it's the two young coaches, obviously, that are, you know, offensive geniuses, I guess. I guess the Bears coach is an offensive genius. And the Rams coach can be sometimes until he goes up against Belichick for even Zimmer for a minute there in uh, what am I talking about anymore? Let's just move on <laughs> against Zimmer back in uh, 2017 in that very entertaining game. Very entertaining game. Mm. Looking forward to that. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Bear fans still looking forward to Justin Fields coming up. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. I'd let Dalton play for now. Dalton's not a bad quarterback, and he's certainly been a pain in the ass for the Vikings historically. We all know that. But it looks like the Rams probably should win tonight, but I guess you never know. Very, very nice-looking Rams team that could go to the Super Bowl this year. Let's talk about, let's get, let's backtrack track to that Detroit game, pardon me. I will continue what I was saying. I think I'd rather have Jared Goff than Kirk Cousins. I mean, I think he's making a lot too, though, if I remember right. I think he is. Jared Goff. But, uh, I don't know. He's not as, I don't know. He, he's, I think I would. I mean, I don't know. It's, yeah. Wow, four year hundred what the flip? What the flip? Okay. Oh my goodness gracious. Well, twenty five million dollar cap hit this year. That's a lot better than thirty thirty five or thirty one or whatever and forty five next year. Uh it's a it's a big contract, but he's twenty six. There's still a chance. He went number one overall for a reason, remember? I mean, he did help his club get to the Silver Bowl. He wasn't the main reason. The defense was so good. And but he had some he did have some fun seasons, some fun numbers with the Rams, and he's still only twenty six years of age. I think I would rather have him than Kirk Cousins. But uh, it is what it is. It is what it is. Hope I didn't mess this up too bad. Good good start for him though. Good good. I mean glad to see it. He probably needed a fire under his ass. It wasn't working out in Los Angeles. It just wasn't. So we'll see what happens in Detroit. Though I don't know if he has an offensive juggernaut for his coach. <laughs> he played tight end, but he's talking about whacking people's kneecaps. So I don't know if that's really a offensive genius over there. T.J. Hawkinson again, fantastic tight end, ninety about just under a hundred yards. He's going to be the grunk for them, of course. And DeAndre Swift, all-purpose guy for Detroit. 
San Francisco, though, gets a nice start to their season, gets a number of sacks on Jared Goff, gets the job done. Goff led a nice comeback, but unfortunately, the comeback was short. I mean, think about it, 38-10. to 10. Midway through the third, and Detroit started a little comeback, and then it was 41-17, to 17, kind of as the two teams exchanged touchdowns. Detroit, nice, impressive comeback, though, in the fourth quarter, but it came up short. Came up short, unfortunately. That's how it goes with Detroit and most Minnesota teams as well. We always talk about, oh, you know, we just came up short. You know, we, we played really well today, just came up short. Just love hearing that, don't we? What happened? Aaron Rodgers? Lefleur, Mr. Lefleur, Green Bay fans, what happened? Carl Gerbschmidt, hey, hey, Gerbs, what happened? What happened? What, 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 what the heck is this? This is a mistake, right? It's a tie. It means three, it was a three to three, and then the eight is like infinity. It's the, it's an infinity sign. The game was still going because they couldn't, uh, you know, they have to play till someone scores. You know, it's like a playoff game. They're not going to let them tie. That's what the eight, no, it's, it is 38. 38 to three. What happened? What happened, Green Bay? What happened? One field goal in the second quarter. Shameful. What happened? Oh, only five touchdowns for Jameis Winston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> only five. He only attempted 20 passes, too, which is kind of funny. What happened? What happened here? The vibe just was like, like, yeah, uh, we don't want to play anymore. Rogers sucks. No, Rogers is an ass. I, I don't know. But maybe maybe the vibe is just like putrid now in Green Bay. This game was in New Orleans. It happens. Teams, crappy, crazy things happen in New Orleans. I think we remember that very well. And we also, and I can't get too cocky because Elvin Kamara ran for six bleeping touchdowns over us during Thanksgiving week, if I remember correctly. Or was that getting closer to Christmas time? I can't remember, but it was one of the major holidays. He scored six touchdowns against us, Stoddard Kamara. I think that was around Christmas week. Merry Christmas. We were in the season of giving. We only gave up six touchdowns rushing in that game to the same guy. Hadn't been done since the 30s by somebody that, you know, his great-grandson's already dead of old age. <laughs> I mean, sorry, I don't, I don't want to talk too morbid here, but uh, five touchdown passes. I think, I think New Orleans got really, really, really lucky now in terms of who they may have here with the right, with might be the right fit in, in the head coaching reins here. I think they got really lucky in terms of who landed in their lap here. The same guy who throws 9 million interceptions just might end up figuring things out here just in time for a lot of these talented weapons in New Orleans and that coach that we all hate with a passion to work his magic one more time with a much younger player with still a ton of talent. He went number one in the draft for a reason. He did. And he was supposed to go number one in the draft that year. It was just, oh God, he was stealing crab. Or, oh my God, crab. He was stealing crab. He's the devil incarnated. Well, it didn't work in Tampa, but well, they didn't, it just wasn't the right mix. It was weird. I don't even know what happened there, honestly. Bruce Arians wasn't the coach, and Tom Brady wasn't the coach, you know, and, and Jameis Winston was, wasn't Tom Brady. It just wasn't the right mix. But um, 38 to th- 38 to 3. I'm sure Packer fans would like to tell you it is a 3 to 3 tie, and that eight's an infinity sign. That's just that's just what period it is, or, or quarter. I mean, it's the an infinite quarter here until someone scores. It just went on forever, but it's 3 to 3. <laughs> I, I can't believe it. I I can't believe that. What happened, man? But um, 
either the vibe is just absolute hell in Green Bay or New Orleans is ready to rock here. And I think it might be a little bit of both. So it makes a lot of Viking fans feel a little better after such a putrid, icky, bullcrap loss to Cincinnati, who with the, had a number one pick overall, number one overall pick in the draft on their sideline, and a couple of dangerous weapons as receivers and a running back who was supposed to be better than he's had than he has been so far. Did Joe Mixon that still's got a chance, I guess, to be something in the league. Um, but uh, well, the NFC North is very much in play still because I, I think all four teams are going to lose. <laughs> Detroit lost. We lost. The Packers. Uh, Packers tied. They tied New Orleans. No, they got obliterated by New Orleans. Yeah, it's a road game and it's hard to win there and stuff. Uh, of course, it wasn't even in New Orleans. It was in Jacksonville, right? Yeah, it was in Jacksonville. That's why you can, can see the roof. Uh, no roof, pardon me. You can see the blue sky. It was in Jacks. My God. Maybe the weather sucked, and Packer fans are used to this nice, comfy September weather we're feeling right now around here, and you're in Jacksonville, and New Orleans is used to that awful humidity. I, I don't know, but the Packers got their asses kicked. That's all there is to say. Let's move on. Let's move on. Congratulations, Jameis Winston, though. Nice start to be a starting quarterback of the Saints. Good luck to you. Good luck to you. I'm, I'm rooting for you. Not because I like the Saints, not because I like Sean Payton, but if it's a if it's a match, it's a match, and what else can you do? Just like Elvin Kamara, I, I don't like him at all. He's an ass. Elvin Kamara is an ass. But he ran for six touchdowns against us. The guy's an absolute ass. He was an ass in 2017 when we first played against him, and he's still an ass. But he, he kicked our ass one way or another after we uh, lucked out and beat them in 2017. Let's move on. The Arizona Cardinals. The Vikings will be visiting the wonderful red state of Arizona. Yeah, well, at least red uniforms. I'm just messing around, but it's red because of every team that plays there is red, basically, or orange or something. Uh, the Diamondbacks have red, and the Cardinals have red, and the, and the Phoenix Coyotes are kind of reddish-brown. Okay, you get the idea. Arizona Coyotes, pardon me. Beautiful red colors. If you think about the desert, kind of a reddish. Can't, I don't know. I'm weird. Sorry. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean that politically, I swear. Kyler Murray, I thought was going to be a danger for the Vikings, and I still do. I still do. Vikings history in Arizona has not been good. We're going to get into that momentarily. But speaking of putting a whoop on a, an established club, the Arizona Cardinals put, the, put a can of whoop ass on Tennessee. 38-13. to 38-13. to 13. Kyler Murray, four touchdowns, one INT. He always has an interception somewhere. And that defense of Arizona was pretty good for the most part against Tannehill. They kind of stifled him. He had a one turnover. And they somehow kept Derrick Henry down to only 17 rushes and 58 yards in the game. I mean, they really, uh, you know, ball possession and everything, time of possession. Arizona just controlled the ball, controlled the game. Plus, it helps when a guy named Chandler Jones has five sacks. Five sacks. Um, Great. Good for us against our offensive line. (laughs) Chandler Jones might have 20 sacks next week. With the way off, with the with the confusion that our offensive line played with today, it was so depressing, uh, so depressing, so disgusting. Five sacks for Chandler Jones. Ouch. He's it's gonna he's gonna be a menace to deal with. Let me tell you, and he's been a stud before. He's been good for a while, and they also have J.J. Watt. I mean, I, I don't know. It's a pretty dangerous defense there in Arizona. Extremely talented quarterback, and let's not forget about DeAndre Hopkins, who had an unbelievable year all year last year. DeAndre Hopkins is a top-tier wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, obviously a fantastic trade uh, versus that awful Texans front office and everything. Um, yeah, was it Bill O'Brien actually was the GM for a minute there. 
it was just a sacrificial moment, though, unfortunately for him. I wouldn't want to see the walls closing on me like that. Pardon me for the snapping. I know some of you hate that, and I deeply apologize. Vikings history versus the Arizona Cardinals has been good, 17-11 to 11 overall. We have won the last two games. They're both at home, both in U.S. Bank Stadium, the, the uh, safe confines of that. Arizona wasn't so good in 2016, and in 18, the Vikings were able to pull one out there as well. Both of those Vikings teams were not real good. Every time the Vikings are having a really solid year or like a decent year, and they head to like Arizona or Carolina, something funny happens. Uh, especially Arizona, though. What the heck? You know, 23 to, to 20. That's the last time we lost to Arizona was in 2015. First time we ever played the Arizona Cardinals was when they were St. Louis, just like the St. Louis uh, Cardinals uh, baseball, St. Louis baseball Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals, 1963, October 6th. The Cardinals beat the Vikings 56 to 14. Wowza. Four years later, the Cardinals beat the Vikings 34 to 24, both at Met Stadium in the 60s there. One more 60s game, Vikings finally win in St. Louis. So the road team, 3-0 at that moment. Road team, 3-0 at that moment. That was St. Louis again. 72, the Cardinals beat the Vikings at home. Road team, 4-0. What the heck? Notice the trend here? <laughs> Vikings win in St. Louis, 5-0, 1974. 1974, again, a playoff game. Cool. Divisional playoff game. This was I think we played them in the playoffs twice, historically. And the Vikings beat the St. Louis Cardinals. The home team finally won a game. December 21st, the Vikings were the first home team to win in the all-time series at that time. That was the sixth time the teams had played. 1977, Tommy Kramer and the boys got slaughtered by Arizona at the Met. Road team wins again. What do you think about this? What do you think about this history? Home team finally won. I was, uh, was it November 4th, 1979? That would have made me about four months old or so. August, December, August, September, October, November. Yeah, I would have been about five months or four, four months old at the time. St. Louis Cardinals hosting the Minnesota Vikings, and they slaughter us 37-7. That's all. Just 37-7. 1981, when Holland Oates were the best thing on the planet. Cardinals crushed the Vikings 30-17. to 17. 1983, again, another weird year. Cardinals beat the Vikings. So the home team sweeping the Vikings there. Three Cardinals games in a row in St. Louis. All wins for the Phoenix, or no, St. Louis Cardinals. Eight whole years later, 91, when the Twins were in the postseason heading to the World Series, the Phoenix, as they were called, Cardinals, get slaughtered by the Vikings 34-7. to 7. 1991, what the hell? We played them again? Were we in the same? That doesn't make sense. Must have, why did we play them twice? Vikings win 28-0. to 94, I remember that one fairly well. And the Vikings went to Arizona and lost. They changed it to Arizona in 94. Oh yeah, I guess they did. Yeah, it was pretty fast. It was a long time ago. Phoenix Cardinals is like ancient history. It's old days. Uh, Arizona Beat the Vikings 17-7. to I remember, yeah, Warren Moon and all that. We're like, how do you lose to this team? We, we never win there, man. Um, so we beat Phoenix in Phoenix. We beat Arizona when they were Phoenix in 91. So that's one road win when they became Arizona. Let's just keep it at that for now. And we won in 95. Yep, I vaguely remember that one. Yeah, Moon had a ton of touchdown passes. It was an entertaining team. 
So that's two road wins versus Arizona historically, once they became Arizona or Phoenix or whatever. Uh, Vikings won a ton of games in a row there, about five in a row, including a playoff win against uh, Jake Plummer. That's what he was. We won that one. Uh, 97, we beat Arizona by one point. <laughs> Boy, just to squeeze past that team. Another road win for the Vikings. Okay, so we were 3-0 and on the road versus Arizona when they, when they moved there. Home game for the Vikings, a 20-point win, 41-21. Thinking, man, we're going to kick Atlanta's ass and, you know, when, when we're going to kick Atlanta's ass in the next round, and we didn't. 2000, beat the Cardinals again in the Dome. 2003, we just keep, you know, we... 2003, we lost. Yep, that was the infamous uh, Nate Poole game. Uh, Joe... How am I forgetting his freaking name? Mc, McCown, not, not Joe, but McCown. Yeah, the infamous Nate Poole, the, the Paul Allen screaming no, and the Cardinals knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs. Yep, that was an infamous one. So since then, I believe the Vikings have... No, Vikings beat Arizona in 2008 on the road. I don't remember that. I did podcasting that year, too, and I don't even remember doing that. Crazy. Vikings history recently has been very solid. But, of course, in 2009, yep, this was just devastating. Arizona... Oh, 2009, right? We're getting more and more recent now. Vikings just get obliterated 30-17. to 17. That was when things were starting to turn ugly a little bit. Vikings lost a couple games in a row during that time. Uh, and that helped derail the Vikings' chances of having home field advantage over the New Orleans Saints. In that uh, postseason, it's, it still sticks on my mind and it still breaks my heart. Vikings saved Brad Childress's job for a couple of weeks defeating the Arizona Cardinals in overtime. Miraculous comeback and win. I was doing a lawn cleanup, but kept up very close and still was able to do a podcast. I did a little research before I did it. Very, very emotional, but kind of silly. Like, yeah, we beat one of the worst teams in the league by, uh, you know, by squeezing out in overtime, which we almost did today, too. <laughs> 2011, Vikings win easily. 34-10. to 2012, Vikings win 21-14. And um, 23 to 20 and 15, yep, that helped kind of hurt things, prevent the Vikings from winning the division that year. Or no, we did, but having like a first-round buy or something crazy that year. Um, oh, yeah, that was when Teddy Bridgewater got strip-sacked. So, yeah, maybe if we beat Arizona on the road, we just might have had a, a home field advantage. Uh, well, a first-round buy part, I mean, then we would have had to play Carolina in the wow. NFC title game on the road. Which would have been interesting, eh? but we would have done it. But we would have lost to Denver anyway. That would have sucked. We, we would have. <laughs> we, we, were, we were winless versus Peyton Manning, even when he was old and crappy. In fact, he beat us that year. Son of a biscuit. Uh, 2016, Vikings kept their playoff hopes alive. And then in 2018, Vikings kept their playoffs hopes, playoff hopes alive. Blah, blah, blah. A couple of wins there. Sorry if that was a little bit long-winded, but uh, Vikings history is interesting. I just kind of enjoy it and such. And we played so many times, and I don't think I'd done an Arizona-Minnesota history run. So whenever we play divisional teams, I'll just kind of go over the overall record and maybe a memorable game or two in recent history, stuff like that. But I'm not going to go on and on about divisional games because, you know, about divisional matches all the time. Maybe here and there because, obviously, it would drag things out. And we play the same team twice every single season. Uh, it's been, you know, it's been a couple years now. It's been three years since we played the Cardinals, so... It's going to be a very interesting matchup. I better get back to what I need to say here. I did not pick the Vikings to win this game. Um, I did not pick the Vikings to win this game in the season preview about a week and a half ago or so. And I'm having a hell of a time doing it now. Uh, I did not like what I saw today. 
and I'm not feeling good about what Arizona, the punishing they put on the Tennessee Titans today. Doesn't look good on, on the road, too. Uh, they really put the can of whoop-ass on them. Arizona is kind of a hit-and-miss team. When they play well, they're damn good. They're dangerous, and this is what they can do. They, they could be an 11-5, and five, you know, like when it was 16 games. 11-6, and 12-5 uh, type of team. That, that's how good their talent is. They could win. They could win the NFC West, unless the Rams are truly the best team in the NFC West, which most of us believe so. I did pick Arizona to make the playoffs this year, though. I did, as like a 11 and 6, 10 and 7 type of club. And I think they will. I think Arizona makes the playoffs. And I think the Zimmer era is coming to an end this season. I think the Vikings do not win next week. I'm, I'm sticking to my, my guns. And here's the thing if the Vikings are going to steal. The Vikings need to make up for what they did today. They need to make up for it with a win versus Arizona. They need to make up with it for a win, ver- yeah, for a win versus Arizona or somebody else along the way that we've picked them to lose, like Chargers. You know, that's not an easy win. Um, they're, they're dangerous. You know, obviously Dallas. Some of you picked them, them to lose to Dallas. You know, maybe some of you picked us to lose to Seattle. I mean, they got to make up that game. They have to make it up. And if they do... If they do right away versus Arizona, so be it. Because most people had the Vikings losing to Arizona. It's not a good matchup for us. It's not. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, I, I don't feel too confident about this. Um, gosh, A.J. Green's still alive. Wow, it's ancient, but he's still there. I mean, he's, he's playing Christian Kirk solid. Kyler Murray's one of those dangerous. I mean, we've always struggled against mobile quarterbacks since we were born, pretty much. And the only and the best history the Vikings have had was with mobile quarterbacks, uh, for the most part. You know, you had Tarkenton in three Super Bowls. Uh, even the crazy guy we had in 1969 also <laughs> was a mobile guy. So, I mean, you know, it just is what it is. So, <laughs> you know, and, and then Randall Cunningham was older, but still a fairly mobile guy in 1998. It was stuff like that. 2000, Culpepper was mobile. You could just go on and on and on. Um, Favre used to be mobile, but he was ancient. He was just so damn good, it didn't matter in 2009. He still had a little mobility for a 41-year, for a 40-year-old, pardon me. But I think Arizona ends up winning the game, and then I think they score some points, too. It's going to be like 31-27. to 27. I think the uh, Arizona Cardinals beat the Vikings in a close game, but they win the game, unfortunately. Maybe even 31-24, but I'll say 27 in hopes maybe the Vikings can catch up and beat them, sneak past them 34-31. 30, but to me, Arizona wins, and the Vikings open things up 0-2. We'll be back for fan interaction right after this. We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number three, fan interaction, and of course the final segment of this episode. It's been fun, even though, you know, obviously segment two, I feel a lot happier after segment number one. The only good thing about such a horrendous game as today, such a frustrating game, you know, it's not like we lost by a ton of points. It's just the fact we played so crappy and lost to Cincinnati. It sucks and and all that. It, it was easy to do in that sense. It was easy to do a game review because there's so much emotion and so many things to get to that it's it's not it's not hard. It's not like oh boy, I don't know. I hope I didn't miss this and hope I didn't miss that. No, it was and who knows? We're always all gonna miss something. 
because you just don't get to every little nook and cranny. Otherwise, you'll go absolutely nuts. You'll become, uh, you know, you'll become, uh, what do they call that? Uh, I don't even, <laughs> uh, the word's there and I'm blanking. It'll come back. So anyhow, at Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show, <laughs> getting all these other words in my head that I don't need. It's messing me up. Purple Mafia Show, thank you so much for the retweets from Tanae Brown. Malcolm McSween, Tanae Brown out of New Zealand, Malcolm McSween, and Cleveland Brown-loving Vinrock, Vince Germano, of course, big fan of the Los Angeles Lakers, great friend of the Timberwolves Explosion Show. Same with Tanae Brown, though, by the way. But he's a Wolves fan and a Vikings fan. He's an overall Minnesota fan from New Zealand. Isn't that cool? I think he even listens to Brave the Wild, and as others have. Uh, I ranted a little tiny bit during the uh, Tampa game. I was like, Goodwin, hang on to the ball, you stupid idiot. The game should have been won. Gave Dallas a chance. Yep, Sebastian was like, I like that tweet. Mad Martin is hailing from Northern Scotland. Him and Sebastian Martin are going to be dominating the Twitter section, which is fine. Two amazing Hall of Fame level Purple Mafia members. I mean, they really are. And they, they are in the Hall of Fame. They're already in it. Mad. Martin says, looking forward to catching up. Been a busy summer. <clears throat> it's unbelievable how fast this year has gone. Isn't it, though? I mean, just, heck, just this weekend alone, it was like literally a vapor. It was like, it's Saturday morning. It's Sunday night. What? Oh, I don't want to go back to work. This sucks. And you know, this, is, this is the fun job, doing the podcast. It's the fun one. I don't want to go back to actually, yeah, the, the daily grind. Ugh. But uh, let's get back to what Mad Martin was saying. It's unbelievable how fast this year has gone. Preseason did not exactly feel, fill me with confidence. A deep run in the playoffs is needed. Otherwise, time to start over. In fact, it's Super Bowl or bust, in my opinion. I think, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with what he said there. Um, some people might be like, oh, what do you mean? How can you expect that much? And blah, blah, blah. Zimmer's the best thing we've ever had. No, he isn't. No, he isn't. We've had Bud Grant. Uh... Zimmer, to me, at this stage, has exposed himself in a lot of ways. When there was conversation this week on the Mackie and Jod or Purple Daily or whichever it was, it's kind of like the same show merged into two different ones, uh, two two shows merged into one or whatever the heck you'd say. Uh, was, uh, they mentioned how, for the first time in the four years Kirk Cousins has been here, that him and Mike Zimmer, Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer, sat down to watch film together. What kind of bullcrap is that? He's the head coach of the team. To me, that tells me that uh, Mike Zimmer is more or less a glorified defensive coordinator. Like offense, I don't give a damn about that. A lot of us knew that already, but it's just, that's just proof. That's proof. Like, you know, when when your head coach doesn't give a damn about one side of the ball, that's not good. It's not good. Um, or tries to dictate just, okay, you're going to do this, even though I don't give a damn about you guys. This is how you're going to play. You know, and that's it. That's it. Um, mostly, okay, whatever. We'll see what happens. Sebastian Barton, continuing uh, the section here on Twitter, at Purple Mafia Show, as I said, Sebastian Barton, at Blackspace999, and of course, he's also the host of the God, Sex, and Sin podcast. Highly recommended. Hope he listens to the show. Still, he's been listening since 2010, as you mentioned to me, in the background there, in the messages. I think I'll even read some of them. We'll see. Well, maybe not. Unless it's just kind of just purple talk, but any personal thing, we'll leave that alone. Sorry, I'm going too winded here. He says, someone asked me if I missed Vikings football yesterday. Knowing <laughs> knowing shit like this was coming, I said, no. At least we didn't run it on third and forever. Still awful. Yeah, he was getting frustrated with the offense. 
He says, now that was a typical Vikings drive. Two short runs and incomplete on third. And then Mad Martin says, time this O to wake the bleep up. Yeah, wake the F up. It's a worrying start. Maybe our defense needs to score touchdowns. Yeah, I was thinking it's heading that way. I might fall asleep, says Mad Martin. Sebastian says, finally something good. That was the touchdown to Adam Thielen. Mad Martin says that last, same thing there. And Kevin McMahon jumps in, host of the, uh, well, he, uh, host of a former show called From the Cheap Seats. Obviously a good, good guy from Wisconsin there. He says, we were offsides and that was a TPI. I was ranting saying every single penalty has gone against us. This is horseshit. Either we're idiots or this is getting a little one-sided here. And yeah, Kevin McMahon was saying we, we were offsides and that was a DPI, defensive pass interference. They were. Those were the correct calls in that case. It's just I was warning in general. But um, yeah, and I was saying, well, then we're idiots because we were. <laughs> How many penalties can you get in a game? I mean, my God, especially in that first half. It's like way to way to put yourself behind and you have to dig yourself out. That just sucks, especially on the road. It, your success rate in that situation is not real high, honestly. You go down by double-digit points on the road. Even if you're playing a quote-unquote crappy team, your chances of coming back aren't real good, honestly. Once that team gets a little confidence, it's a different, it's a totally different ball game, as most of you experienced veteran sports fans know. Sebastian, I'd consider him a veteran now. What is he, in his mid-20s already, and a father of two by now, I believe? There was at least one at the end of his life. That's probably why he hasn't been recording his podcast lately. He had another one on uh, that was literally coming out of the oven there. Uh from his wife there, of course. He says, Sebastian says, and since he gets the balls to start the second half, typical Vikings, D comes out looking like gangbusters, then our offense can't put up points, then the D collapses. Yeah, it's a constant seesaw. Whenever one's playing well, the other isn't. If you can get both, if you ever get both playing well, then maybe that's fine as a year, but it seems like it never is. <laughs> Sebastian says, imagine having to go 80 yards and you call a bubble screen. He couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was it was crazy. It was crazy. Sebastian posted, and it's cool that Sebastian's back getting involved in the show again. Man, isn't that cool? Because he'd been quiet for a little while, maybe a post or two a week, but now he's picking it up. This is fun. Uh, he had a tiny little poll here and just had fun with it. Well, he it was like an imaginary poll where your status is taken, single, or in an abusive relationship with the Vikings. Minnesota versus Cincinnati, the Vikings, fire Zimmer, get Kirk out. Those are all hashtags. And I said, yeah, I agree with I agree with the choice there. We're in an abusive relationship with the Vikings. <laughs> we're both abusing each other, I think, aren't we? We're, we're cursing at them, and they're abusing our minds, uh, disappointing us on a yearly basis, weekly basis, whatever it is. Mad Martin says, that's bang on, absolutely. Tanae Brown out of New Zealand says, one thing that isn't talked about enough is the last two the Vikings had an elite defense I think he means like uh, the last two times the Vikings had an elite defense, we came up against four or five backup quarterbacks that season. Yeah, yeah. We looked pretty bad against a bad team. Could be a long season. Yeah, sometimes you had like backup quarterbacks. Like was it uh, in uh, Carolina, right? Yeah, and, and, you know, it was, yeah, we, we were playing against Cam Newton and stuff like that. We were going against a backup quarterback. Uh, that's one I remember for sure. Like 2017, we did face a, a bunch of backup quarterbacks. And then we got obliterated by a backup quarterback in the NFC title game, by the way. Isn't that just depressing? Bears game, remember, well, we had Warren Moon, we were all excited, but the son of a gun had never won a playoff game in his, like, you know, 20-year career, Warren Moon. And he got and the Vikings got annihilated by Steve Walsh and a Bears team that was mediocre at best. 
Remember that back in 90? Well, maybe you don't. Some of you do. <laughs> 94 is going back in the day. Sebastian says, if we get the ball back, I say we take a deep shot. Unfortunately, we didn't in that case. They did award the Bengals the ball. And that was the end. That, that was it. We weren't going to get the ball back, unfortunately. 10A sums it up greatly here. He says, that was an awful call, but hold on to the damn ball. Yeah, he still should have held on to it. Um, you put yourself at risk. Yes, they were mauling him and all that, and that's what causes fumbles and all that, but I don't know. Delvin Cook does fumble a lot, for, for my liking, and not as much as Adrian, because nobody does. Adrian, Warren Moon, and Dante Culpepper are pretty much the king of kings when it comes to fumbling. The only non-Viking that I could think of that fumbled too much was Dave Craig. <laughs> well, obviously other guys have, but you get the idea. But um, Man Martin continues saying that was a sloppy, ugly loss. Looking at the schedule, this team could be 1-5 or 0-6 at the bye. Maybe. I hope not, but I'm thinking 0-2, unfortunately, at the very least. We'll go from there. Mad Martin says this is the first off-season, off preseason where I've taken a backseat and not really paid much interest in Vikings football. After this garbage, I'm glad I did. Yeah, because last year was so disappointing, wasn't it? And I've kind of I've had thoughts about things the last couple of years here about stepping away, you know, stepping away. Yeah, I I didn't, but I've always had thoughts about it. I don't want to do it. It's like every every year it's like that, and then I and then something wheels me back into it. I don't know what it is. Just I would miss you guys too much, I think, and just the, the whole feeling of podcasting after a Viking game. There's just something special about it. That's what keeps bringing me back. I guess. And I would miss you guys way too much. That's the one thing that brings me back. If I was just a regular Joe who didn't do podcasting, I might have stepped... I, I probably would take a back seat, generally speaking. I think I would. And But I... I uh, I'll continue. Uh, Mad Martin says, going to be another season of mediocrity. The offensive playing was boring and Zimmer's defense is outdated. It's going to be a long season. I probably shouldn't have said what I just said, but it's true. I probably would have. Because it gets to be a grind when, the, when you can see that just the vibe isn't right. I don't like the vibe right now. I don't. And I'm being honest with you. I really am. Yeah, me and Sebastian had a lot of back and forth conversation on there. And it's kind of interesting how we said this. Because this isn't anything that's private really right here. Think about this. I started listening to your show in 2010. Spielman has been in the Vikings organization the entire time. And his job has been secure since 2012. That is interesting. Yep, when you consider all the ups and downs in that. Lots of ups and downs. Lots. So that's an interesting thought right there. Sebastian Barton, thank you very much. Awesome job, all of you that interacted on Twitter. All, all, all of you. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Continue off the last post of uh, episode 346, which is make this one 347. This is a season preview. I think it's Leland Albertson, yep, out of Iowa. Thank you so much. That's calm before the storm. Nice insights, and thank you very much, Leland. Yep. Uh, yep. Boy, very expensive guy now. Yep, Brian O'Neill. I didn't even mention this yet because I just figured I'd save it. Five years, $94 million. Coming to the Vikings now, sticking on the Vikings. Second highest paid right tackle at the moment, but of course, I think he's third already. Someone else just signed a big contract just recently, but Brian O'Neill, obviously a great offensive tackle, and I uh, want to give Greg Joseph a ton of credit with uh, Cincinnati Bengal in his year, and then Brian O'Neill came over and was patting him on the back, like, okay, buddy, get the hell out of here now. I'm not sure exactly what he said, but it was kind of cool. 
Dave Vicky, a legend out of Iowa, a legendary Purple Mafia follower out of Iowa, says, good deal. He's the meat and potatoes of the meal. Uh-huh. Yep, he is. Leland Albertson says, that's a lot of money for him. Yeah. On to the uh, in-game thread a bit. We'll dig around in here, dink around. I was saying how pathetic things were, and Secretary Pauling said, most undisciplined to have a football I've seen from a Viking team in my lifetime. Yeah, very passionate moment there from Cedric Paulding. Yep, he uh, hit the nail on the head. Yep, Cedric out of Mississippi. And yes, he is a Purple Mafia Hall of Famer. Dave Hickey says, this is pathetic. Nine penalties in the first half for basically 100 yards. Yeah, it ended up being 10. Can you believe that? Dave continues saying, this is where I don't have faith in Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Mark Carlson says, this game could swing for the Vikings, but there is no... But there is no momentum, no real spark in the offense, and the D is getting demolished. The struggle is real. Yankee, out of Brooklyn Center, says Jefferson touchdown was stolen. Yep, that was at the goal line there. These commentators seem to hate the Vikings. <laughs> Luckily, we got in on the next play from Delvin Cook, thankfully. Dave Hickey says they lose to Cincinnati the first day of their, uh, in the first day of their season. is cooked, and I think they're in big trouble, too. I think they are. Uh, obviously, you got to make up one of the games that we weren't supposed to win. That's the only hope we have uh, of getting back on track, so to speak. Because if well, obviously you're going to have one extra loss right away. And we all know what a loss like this can do. It can derail the whole damn year. It, it can. It can. You know, you get, you know, you play like crap against one of the weaker teams in the NFL. Bad things happen most of the time. Um, Mark Carlson jumps on board again, says... This isn't a Zimmer D anymore, and it certainly hasn't looked like that, has it? I, I don't feel the Zimmer vibe I have I, I had up until 2019-ish. I don't feel that vibe anymore. I don't. The last two years, it's been different. Something's different, and I think I think the clock is ticking. I really do. Oh, man. It's, it's heartbreaking, man. Heartbreaking. Leland Elbertson says, Skull Brothers and Sisters, let's start the season with a W. Yeah, that was at the very beginning there. I apologize. Yeah, this thing messes. It's it scrambled everything. I wish they'd just keep it in chronological order, but they don't. Mark Carlson says, no confidence in the play calling. Cedric says, I'm not feeling the play calling in overtime at all. Yeah, it was crappy. Both of you guys nailed it there. Uh, Cedric says, defense did their job. Let's go. Yeah, that was to get things uh, stopping Cincinnati and give us a chance to win the game. Mark Carlson was saying, we have a kicker? Yes. Mike Dale out of the New York area, uh, New York State, not the city, says Joseph. Yep, that was Greg Joseph. Zimmer's new kicker doesn't choke. They're 53 effing yards, too. Wasn't that cool? Wasn't that cool, Mike? Yeah, but Mike is, yeah, he's awesome. Jeff Froyland says, instead of adding a 17th game, just add a fifth quarter. That way the Vikes have time for a comeback. Oh, that's an awesome one. That's funny. I like that one. <laughs> Nick Borboom. Hey, welcome back on board from Hopkins, Minnesota. Says, oh, oh, I know. I bet the Vikes still think this is preseason still. Maybe or not. Yeah, it felt like it, didn't it, Nick? Yep. Hope he's still a listener. Yeah, I, I'm thinking he must be if he's posting there. Great to hear from you, Nick. Awesome. 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 What, what an awesome guy. Yep, we, we graduated high school together, Hopkins High, 1998. Yep. It's only been 23 years now. 23 and change already. Yeah, 24th year since then. Brett McCarthy, South Dakota, simply says, unbelievable. Cedric Paulding says, you've got to be kidding me. Eric Mustard, South Dakota, says, more penalties than points. Yeah, can you imagine it was at that? Yeah, as for yardage, it's like, yeah, yeah, more penalty yards than rushing yards, that's for sure. 
and we gave up 150 to that, uh, you know. Joe Mixon hasn't been that good in the NFL, let's be honest. Yankee says, yikes, this Vikings O-line is so cringy. Yeah, they're scary to watch, aren't they? Mike Dale says, sweet suffering Christ, the O-line with their false starts and holding penalties, especially Rashad Hill. He's not a starting offensive lineman in any capacity. You nailed that one. And, of course, I didn't even talk about that part, how obviously there was no Derrissaw. He was inactive. I was just so used to Derrissaw not being active. It's going to be an exciting day when he is. Yeah, Rashad Hill was better before. He, he, he was better, like, years before. And now he's just, the last couple times he's been starting, he's not been good anymore, and it's too bad. But uh, he was never meant to be a starter, though. It's too bad. I mean, obviously, Riley Reef, I mean, we took him for granted, and he's on Cincinnati now. And he well... He's 1-0 against us, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Mark Carlson says, with the last minute of the half, I can sell offense self-destructs. Josh Mayer Henry, out of Colorado. Where have you been? Welcome back. He says, such indisciplined football. Way too, many, way too many penalties. Maybe he was just sick of football for a minute there. Mike Dale says, sad. Breland was having a decent game up until the last two drives. That's when he got yeah, uh, embarrassed. Cedric Pauling says, we will make adjustments in the second half. I'm going to stay positive. Josh Mayer Henry says, I don't understand why they just give up on third all the time. Just toss a short pass. Don't even try to pick up the first. Yep, you nailed that one. That's a, yep, you should be a star candidate. You nailed that one. Yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was ranting about. Like, you got to break like two freaking tackles to even get a third, uh, to get a uh, third down conversion. It's stupid crap. Other teams, they pass the ball a yard beyond the, for the, the chains. Us, it's usually four or five yards before the chains. It's it's stupid. But, yep, that's why Kansas City is so successful, just the whole strategy. And, of course, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is great. But 11 yards is 11 yards. Kirk Cousins can complete a pass 11 yards, just like he can complete a pass for five yards. It's not that big of a difference when you have an arm like that. Oh, you nailed that one, Josh. You are a star candidate for that one. Yep. Mike Dale, always a star candidate, I swear. He's so good. Uh, says Vikes D completely had their number until... That last drive. Hopefully, they can cut out the mistakes and regain the upper hand. Why Hendricks wasn't on the tight end. Higgins there for a touchdown is beyond me. Yeah, yeah. Hendricks puts up good numbers, but he gets beat too sometimes. It's it's disappointing. Josh Hen Josh Mayer Henry says Kirk needs to get rid of the ball and not take the bad sacks, and that's for damn sure. Mark Carlson says I won't be able to catch. Yep, he was taking a saying how he wouldn't be around, and he said that's probably a good thing because they look like shit. That was after the second quarter there. Yep, they were getting handled. And, yep, Leland Way at the beginning was saying almost four flags in three minutes. That was embarrassing. Okay, let's get to the post-game thread and wrap this sucker up and pass out the awards for this episode. Apologize if I'm dragging this a little bit here. We'll get there quickly. All comments, please. Stop doing that. <laughs> Eric Mostard out of South Dakota says, The Vikings were shooting themselves in the foot well enough without the refs, needing to blow a couple of calls. Yeah, man. Mm. Tanae Brown, New Zealand, says, I don't think we can, we can complain about blown calls from the ref when it got ourselves penalized 17 times. Our first-year secondary, secondary on the Bengals, and we couldn't hit receivers. Kirk looked rusty, and the receivers just seemed to stop their roots and wait for the ball. Yeah, wasn't that... That was bad. Yeah, that was driving me nuts, too. Good, good, good catch. Uh, good catch. Uh, O-line about as good as I thought it would be. Yep. We're not a good football team, and I don't think we make the playoffs. Last year of Zim, here I think. That sums it up. You should be a star candidate today. Now, 
obviously a good take on Twitter as well. Dave Vicky says the Bengals defense was the defense was the difference in this game, and all the Vikings penalties cost them huge. It's like I said, this game cost them the season already. Gerald String says too many penalties and first game jitters. Damn, why do they keep doing that? Uh, not sure it was a great idea to hold on, uh, holding too many starters out in the preseason. Yeah, I don't like it either. You know, I mean, let them play a tiny bit. It's like you don't want them to play like two, three quarters in every preseason game. But how about one? How about one or even a half, like like a, a series or two, just to kind of get back on the field again and real play? Yeah, because something didn't seem right. Like Jefferson didn't feel right to me today. So I, I think that's a good take there. I do. Leland says, looks like a continuation of last year. Undercoach team, so many mistakes, miscues, just and just plain piss-poor play. Going to be a long year. Sad part is the Cousins experiment will continue next year also. Maybe, maybe not, because the $45 million thing, but we'll see if they restructure his contract and bring him back or give him an extension. Let's do it. Well, let's not and say we did. Let's not and say we did, right? Dave Vicky says, what a joke. This team is... What a joke this team is. I've been a Zimmer supporter for years, but that's over now, and all the penalties are coaching problems. I'm I'm in the same boat. I was a major... Uh, yeah, I was totally pro-Zimmer up until 18-ish, you know, 19-ish. 19, he kind of got me back last year. It was like, game over for me. Game over. And people were saying he's the best thing to ever happen to the Vikings. I, I don't think he was. I don't think he's the best thing to ever happen to the Vikings. I don't see that. Uh, he's a glorified defensive coordinator, folks. Just like Leslie Frazier wasn't even... Leslie Frazier was just a coordinator. That's all he was. <laughs> Mark Carlson says... We're almost at the end here. Just letting... Yep, just a couple more. Yep. Mark Carlson says, Hey, Paladino Joey, I just learned of the passing of Mick Tinglehoff. I didn't know that. Oh, no. Oh, legendary Viking sender in the Super Bowls. Ah, oh, that sucks. I am shocked a bit, maybe because it was such a surprise. I guess these great players, great men of past teams are all getting up there in years. I sure hope Fran Tarkington makes some sort of public statement. All right. Uh, rest in peace, Mick. Ah, oh, that sucks. Oh, I, I missed that, actually, because I've been kind of locked into other things. Leland says he's one of the greatest figures in Minnesota. Oh, yes, he was. Yes, he was. Um, Dave Hickey says, R.I.P. Mick. Yep. Mm-mm. Matt LaBelle, Minnesota, locally here. I forget exactly where, where, but yep, he's, I think he's originally a Wisconsin guy. Obviously, he's a, yeah, he's a Packer fan, but he's a friend from Maranatha. Uh, Christian, uh, Christian Academy says, Cousins, Cousins game loser. Yep, he, he, he is, unfortunately. Mike Dale says, good to see the start of another season, but man, oh man, they blow it on, on opening day. So many stupid mistakes just accumulated and calm, uh, culminated eventually to a Vikings loss. Pros, Adam Thielen, Greg Joseph, yeah, those are good ones. K.J. Osborne, Daniil Hunter, and uh, Justin Jefferson, both later in the game. Edit, Patrick Peterson, quiet game. Burrow never threw in, exactly, see? Never threw in his direction. It seemed because he stuck to his receivers like glue. Yeah, I think he did a good job. I don't know there, but other than number seven, for a cornerback, it wears me out. Yeah, I think that's weird too. It looks like Cunningham. <laughs> or Tavares, but let's go with Cunningham instead. Delvin Cook is a tough one because his numbers and touchdown, which was technically Jay, uh, Justin Jefferson's, say he had a pretty decent game. However, the fumble, 
at the most crucial time of the game makes it hard to give him a full uh, go, give him full accolades. I'm not fully convinced that it actually was a fumble, as it looked like his ass was on the ground before the ball slipped out. But at that moment, when you're in field goal range and your main goal is just to maintain possession, it was a very costly mistake. Too inconclusive to see if it was really a fumble, but still very careless not to protect the ball at all costs there. Cons. The entire offensive line, save for maybe Brian O'Neill. It was maddening how many drives they absolutely killed with their stupid false stars and holding penalties. Special mention to Rashad Hill. He gets the Drew Samia Award, which means that he'd be more effective working as a bouncer in a Minneapolis nightclub where they pay big mountain-sized men to initially grab people, intentionally grab people by the shirt and pull them in an opposite direction that they were initially intending to be. Bashad Breland, his day started so promising in the first quarter. However, uh, as highly adapted as he is at stopping the run, he is highly suspect of dropping back into pass defense mode. Oof, yes, he is. Which corners are heavily uh, accessed and expected to earn the, the bulk of their keep. It seemed like the defensive line was manhandled at times and not able to stop the Bengals running game, which was supposedly ranked 30th in the league last year. Overall, it was a very disappointing game. The Vikings probably should have won. Undisciplined and just a poor effort. Yeah, always a star candidate there. Uh, a couple of replies. Dave Vicky says, That was not a fumble for sure, but the game shouldn't have been that close to have been that uh, difference. The O-line sucks again. Mike Gale says, Dave Vicky, so true, bud. They were infuriating to watch today. It's been a work in progress and a weakness liability to this team for the entire league of Zimmer's tenure, so now he has to be called into question, especially with all the indisciplinary stuff like false starts and holding infractions. Yeah, that many penalties should fall on the coach. It, it does. It falls on coaching and leadership and all that. Mark Arlen's is pathetic, poor play, penalized down, penalized and down, right, just slow. No skull, just horror, just, just, just horror. Hurrah, and no fun. Yeah, it was no fun at all. So, wrap things up here. Gold star for this episode? It's so hard because so many of you did so well in this episode. I'm going to give the gold star to Tanae Brown. A gold-plated silver star to Mike Dale. I want, yeah, I, I think Mike Dale and Tanae should get the gold. I'm going to give it to two people today. I just always feel generous. I think you guys are just so good, you know. You just, it's just so good. Uh, Dave Hickey and Dave Hickey and Leland get the uh, silver. Bronze to oh, strong, like a gold-plated bronze to uh, <laughs> Mad Martin and Sebastian. I almost forgot about those guys. Oh, jeez. Oh, geez, those guys were great the whole game, too. Ah, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, like I said, gold-plated bronze. So it's kind of like a silver almost as well. So it's like gold-plated bronze to like um, Dave uh, Dave Barton and Sebastian Barton on Twitter. You guys were absolutely great. Thank you, every one of you, for all your comments. You were so good, every one of you. And that's one of the main reasons why I keep doing the show. I absolutely love you guys. I really appreciate it that you're listening, that you listen, you've told friends about the show. You, uh, you know, you, you get the blood pumping in my arteries again, you know, when it comes to doing Purple Mafia. It's not like I really want to step away, because I don't. I, I would miss you too much, for one. I would miss you way too much, and I'd miss just, uh, there's just something special about it, you know. There's something special about doing this year in and year out, coming on, 
covering the Vikings, even if it's an awful season or, or a mediocre season or a magical one. And we're hoping for some more magic again. Some real magic. The, the kind that you finally get the happy ending we've been seeking for 60 years, some, some people out there. Me, I've been seeking it for 30 years. So I'm like halfway through Vikings history at this stage in my life. Halfway through. Can you believe that? So uh, 30th season keeping up with the Vikings full-time. 14th season covering them on Purple Mafia. 15th overall, if you include the Paladino Live year on YouTube. 15th year. Man, that's weird. 15, 30, 60. Ooh, maybe we will win it all this year. It's all coming together. With that said, thank you guys so much. Please do tell your friends about the show, like many of you have. Write a positive rating, those of you uh, out there that I've never seen. Please write a positive rating on iTunes, Stitcher, or yeah, iTunes, Stitcher, or Audible. Really appreciate those of you that have done that in the past, and some of you that could do it in the future. I thank you in advance. Love to hear from you. And I'd like to meet some of you out there that maybe you've been listening to the show for a long, long time, and I'll keep keep coming out of the woodwork on the Facebook and the Twitter. Like Mike Dale had been listening for a while, and he came on board. Um, a, a number of you have, and some of you that I've missed, you know, Tony Coleman, hope he comes back someday. It's been missed. Justin Mayer Henry, Josh Mayer Henry, who both of those guys had disappeared last year. I don't know if they were sick of football and all the politics and such, and things seemed to have quieted down a little bit. Josh Muir Henry coming back today was awesome. That was the other guy that deserved a star today. Oh, Lord. He, he's going to get a silver. Okay? Silver star for Josh Muir Henry. He was, yeah, huge takes there. It's just some of your takes are just so damn good. It's almost like I feel bad not giving you a star. It's like I just want to give everybody one. It feels like it. With that said, again, please write a positive rating on iTunes or whatever. I guess I already mentioned that. Audio submissions is the final thing I'll mention. Open up your free voice recording application. Press record. Treat it like a phone call, and then when you hit stop, you know, about five minutes, whatever it is, and you, you can go longer than that if you really want to. Obviously, some of you have. Uh, then just email it to paladinolive at yahoo.com, paladinolive at yahoo.com, email or share it, whatever. All this information will be in the show description, and I keep forgetting poor Vegas. Man, I'm an idiot. I wanted to open second uh, the second segment with this. Uh, social media for sports betters, Vigit, V-I-G-I-T. It's an application on Apple and Google uh, phones, of course, you know, like uh, Android phones. Social media for sports bettors. You can post about your picks and see what others are saying about games. Vigit Betting League is a month-long betting competition to see who's the best sports better over the course of the month. Free-to-play sports book. Bet-free coins win real prizes. Betting stats. There is great information available on the Vigit Like Line movement where the public is betting. You are not doing real money wagering. It is basically like fantasy betting, like fantasy and, of course, you can kind of use some of the actual real betting lines out there for, like, a cheat sheet if you want to, if you actually do want to bet real money in, like, a real way. But for Vigit, though, this is, it's, it's fantasy, and you kind of compete against each other in month-long competition. We can have a lot of fun during football season going forward because all these games, like Jacksonville versus whoever, you know, why not have fun with that? So do get on board. If you do join and they ask for the referral, type in Paladino Live. It's all one word, Paladino Live. Thanks again in advance for those of you that... Uh, we'll be doing that in the future. Thank you so much. With that said, have a good week. Hopefully I'm wrong about Arizona and the Vikings get a game that they weren't supposed to, and then we're at one-on-one like some of us expected anyway. Until then, take care, and God bless.